Checking into Sex Club, Matt Tells After Hours. I'm Matt, your host and creator of Matt Tells, 40 Years of Gay Adventures, the autobiographical erotica podcast. In Sex Club, I'll talk to guests about gay sex through the last 50 years, from cruising in phone lines to apps and cams. You'll hear tales from other guys and get to tell your own. Each episode will wrap with a live moment, because you should never leave Sex Club until you get what you want. Like, there's nothing like getting a blowjob in a bathroom by some hot college dude is like the hot, hottest thing ever. But um, but what do we want? What makes us feel fulfilled? And what makes us feel, you know, like there's what makes us feel masculine, which makes us feel loved, which makes us feel like sexy, what makes us feel all those things. And I think it's really good to want more. Oh, I, I used to stand on the back of my my grand my mom's dad had a big leather armchair that he would sit and he'd read he'd read the newspaper to us and I would I I, I have never been more comfortable in my life than standing either sitting in my grandfather's lap or standing behind him and I would massage his head while he read the newspaper to me and that was I knew that was home that was home. Um, and it wasn't necessarily sexual, yeah, yeah. but that's where I felt comfortable. Yeah. And I was good with the ladies in the kitchen, but when it was time to settle down, I needed to be with him. That was my grandpa. It was Papa, and that was who I just, I was, I gravitated to him. And it was, I, and I even knew back then, I, I knew at that time, it's like, this is where I need to be. This is not that it was masculine or whatever, yeah. but it was like, this is the smell. This yeah. is the touch. This is what I enjoy. Yeah. And it, it's what feels right. And my mom, when I came out years later, I, I, I told my mom when I was 17, when I was driving away to college. I literally, I got her to run out to the car. She runs out to the car, I rolled down the window. I said, I need to tell you I'm gay. And I rolled up the window and drove off because uh, my mom was a cop. <laughs> I was a little worried I'd get shot. The first time I went into a bar, I had family who owned a bar. So I was in a bar from being a, a child. But the first time I went into a bar, I was 16 years old in the French Quarter. I looked all about 14, maybe, uh, but they let me in. And I watched people have sex in back corners and stuff. I, I went to my first gay pride march. I think it was about 1984, maybe eight, maybe uh, probably 84. Uh, and I was kind of repulsed by mm. gay life in New Orleans because all people did. They were just there to party and get drunk. I got to New York and um, I, one of those things I swore I was never going to fall in love. I was going to be single for the rest of my life. I was going to do this, do that, just play the field. And within two months of being in New York, I was in love. His name was Stephen Sansom. Um, he, I, I was there with, <clears throat> I'd been working, I had a job working at Variety Costumes. I was, I had done summer stock theater with one of their designers. And she, when I came, when I told her I was moving to New York, she hired me as a designer right off the bat. I just graduated from college. It was in 1986, I was 25. <clears throat> and I went out with a friend who, I, flamboyant, as gay as, as gay as the day could possibly be. And I was just still myself. I was trying to clean up my act because I was trying to get work as an actor. I'd never been to a leather bar and I thought, what the hell, you know? So we went and we were there for a couple of hours and we were sitting on the pool table because they would close the pool tables after, after a certain time. And he and I are talking and the door banged open and this is, it sounds so frigging cheesy. Um, and snow flurried in and in walked 
Stephen and I panicked when I saw him because he was so he was the perfect man. I just like I just I mean, literally the hair on the back of my neck stood up. All I could think of was, oh, my God, I, I can't talk to this person and I can talk to anybody. But it, it, it really caught me off guard. And I looked at Alfredo and I said, uh, the most perfect specimen has just walked in the door. And he said, well, you should turn around because he's standing there. And I said, what? And he goes, he's standing about two inches from you and he's looking at you. And I turned around, I looked at him and he said, hey, I've been looking for you for a very long time. And we we literally talked the whole night and we were together for six years and then he passed away at the end of six years. But it was we we were literally together every day after that. We never we never parted ways. Uh, It was it was it was an intense and incredible. I feel very lucky to have had that. I also feel um, it was taken away. It was taken away. And um, it was it was it was it was it was life. But it gave me life and it made me fight and it made me want more. And um, I mean, he and I did so many crazy things together. And, uh, you know, we protested. He got me an act up. Actually, I think I got him an act up. But we were both an act up together. He introduced me to Dr. Ken Unger, who was uh, one of the gay physicians in the village and I started working with him and he put me through school uh, so I could continue working with him and um, it was just such an incredible time there was there was death all around us yeah. uh, but it was it was it was life uh, because you know you were we were at battle we were at war we were literally at war and um, it's it was just I don't know I look back at it and there are times when um, I feel not really depressed, but it's like there was such a heavy burden to carry. And I'm glad I could. I'm glad I could. I'm glad I could participate in some way. And that was when I met people like Bob Kohler and Vito Russo and Marsh P. Johnson and all these people. It's like they were just part of everyday life. I had no idea who Marsha P. Johnson was until she became someone. It was like, what do you mean? Yeah, she's a hero, but she and I used to get drunk at Keller's bar and she put quarters in the jukebox and I'd get up on the bar and dance for her. That was how, you know, that's what we did. Uh, those people, those people are so important. Yeah. Uh, even people that no one needs to know, but they need to know they were alive, for God's sake. Best friend that I moved to New York with, we'd known each other forever. It was a girl, she and I had been, her mother was my tap teacher when I was in, in college. Uh, she was an old rockette. So we, I went with her and she and I, I remember she and I, we had been and we known each other forever. We were talking in New York. We'd been there for a few months. And she said, how many people have you had sex with? Well, I, I asked her, I said, how many people have you had sex with? And there she is, there's a little Catholic girl. And she said, um, four. And I said, oh, okay. And she said, it's only fair. How many have you had sex with? And I said, okay, um, don't judge me. But if it's a group, does it count as one? Or do you count everybody that was there? And she was just like, come on. I, I mean, I remember, and that's part of Matt Tells, you know, a lot of firsts in Matt Tells. Do you remember going to your first sex party or going to the, like those, when there's just becomes like men? Yeah, yeah, the first the first one I went to was Stephen brought me um, and it was, uh, there was this, uh, what was the, um, oh, what was it? There was the Hellfire Club. I didn't go to the Hellfire Club. I missed that one. The Mineshaft. Mine Okay. Yeah, the mine shaft. Uh, Wally was the man. Wally, Wally was the manager of the mine shaft, and it was they had just closed the mine shaft, so I just missed that. Um, uh, but Stephen, 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 Stephen moved to New York when he was nineteen, and because uh, his parents threw him out of the house, he was from Otumwa, mm-hmm. Iowa, or right outside of Otumwa, 
And um, so he was a hustler for the first couple of years he was there. And he actually met Ken and Ken put him through school too. Uh, too. Ken, there were about six of us that Ken immediately was like, you're going to get, you're going to die if somebody doesn't get you in the right direction. Uh, Stephen had become a bookkeeper and, but Stephen was a hustler before that. And he would take people to the here, there, whatever. Stephen was a little, well, he was a redhead. Well, <laughs> you know how they are, but he, uh, so he took me. And it was Wally and Squeaks. It was down on the end of Christopher Street, right on the West Side Highway. Uh, they had an old, it was an old uh, filling station that was there. And they had turned it into a sex positive sort of place. Uh, and I remember walking in with him and I wasn't terrified because I'm always up for an adventure. And I wasn't shocked, I was, but I was a kid in the candy store. It was, it was a wonderful experience to see all these men being so sex positive about everything. And Kit and I would talk, this is what made me think of Kit earlier. Kit, Kit we, we're still best friends. Um, she said, why, why is it that gay men are so obsessed with sex? And even back then, this was in the, the early, of the early, late 80s, early 90s, when she and I were living together in New York. I said, we're, we're not. You're obsessed with it. We're just doing what we need to do. You guys are obsessed with what we do in the bedroom. I don't care what you do. And believe me, I know because these walls are thin and I've heard enough of it. Um, but it's like, it's, I, to me, it's just, it's part of life. It wasn't anything bad or nasty. It's just what we did. There was something really amazing about being in New York yeah. when you were just alive and yeah. things happened yeah. and you could yeah. start at one place and end up at another place and have no fucking idea how you got yeah. there. And, it was a ride. It really was. And it wasn't, yes, there were dangers to it, but it's not dangerous in the way that you would say it's dangerous now. It's just, yeah, yeah. there were, we were all kind of in it together and there, yeah. you know, and yeah. there was something really, you know, there was something really um, magical. We had been together for about a year and um, the black party uh, came and the black party, you know, is the rights of spring party, which yeah. is a big leather S and M community. And back then it was, it was more, the later years, I mean, I haven't been in probably 10 years now, but um, it's become really just a circuit party. Uh, but back when I, the first time I went, it really was more, it, there was a lot more of the leather S&M sort of stuff that it was just toned that way more, you know, and it was because it was the same, the, the, the building was friggin' incredible. Um, it was what it was done on second Avenue at sixth street or seventh street. Uh, and it was the old Fillmore. I think it was the old Fillmore, uh, movie theater and we he wanted to, he he wanted to take me and i said yeah i'm i'm up for whatever i'm out you know a new experience but we wanted to claim our femininity or our masculinity yeah. you know i am both this is it doesn't matter yeah you know it's like fuck you i'll do what i want and um i mean i was i was there for the first wig stock and all kinds of stuff i w fell out of the pyramid club with everybody drunk and high uh, and wandered into Tompkins Square and just went crazy. But so we went to this and I remember him telling me, oh, you have to have black leather to wear. And I'm like, I, I don't own black leather. And he said, well, just wear black jeans, a black t-shirt and go get some black shoes, some black leather shoes. And I was, I, is, I, I could understand his frustration with me because I decided that if I was gonna go buy black shoes, I had to be able to use them again. So I went and bought black patent leather shoes that I could put taps on after. <laughs> <laughs> when I came in with those bad leather shoes, he's just like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, 
I can't spend money on something I'm not going to, you know, use again. <laughs> uh, and I had big grain bows on the, I tied the shoes together wow. with big grain bows. I, wow. I was doing my own version of the Black Party. <laughs> the crazy thing was, and Grace Jones was there. That was, she, and I swear to God, I don't know if this is true, but I remember there being a gigantic disco ball and the gigantic disco ball came down and I was in awe of it and Grace Jones was on top of it. I don't know if that happened, but I would swear to God it did. so many elements to masculinity and male bonding, right? And mm-hmm. part of it is through sex, part of it is through conversation, part of it, and it takes a while. I mean, I, I'm not sure I even figured it out yet to sort out which is, which comes from where, which is right and which is best. <laughs> but there's, it's the idea of just bonding with a man that way, physically and then emotionally is, is a thr- it's, not, I don't even think thrill is the word. I, I don't even know. It's a very deep, very deep connection that you feel. Still in shock, I was like, oh shit, I actually did it. I actually had like personal connection like that with another man. And of course, it just like, it turned me on. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I remember after my first time, like I didn't do anything right away again, but I jacked off to it over and over and over. Like it became like, (laughs) did did you do that as well? Yes. It was like a core memory for months and months and months. I would just think about it. I was like, oh, when can I do this again? Should I do this again? It was... It was like, you know, like defining, a defining moment. It is straight up the masculinity. Like, I look for, like, manly men, you know? Yeah. It's the look, it's the mannerisms. Everything kind of, like, has to fall into place for me. I think my first sight was, like, some random, like, sketchy-ass site that would probably give your computer, like, a virus. (laughs) And this was like, I barely learned about incognito tabs. Yeah. But then as I like matured more and more, yeah. I thought mature men were much more sexually arousing, you know? So you're 21 now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you have a gay community where you live? And how easy is it to uh, connect like lovingly to another guy, sexually to another guy? Like where... Where do you live and what is your access like? First, I was very, you know, cautious. So I was exploring one of my college campuses that I was attending classes at at the time. It's a major school here. So <laughs> there's a lot of gay guys there. Okay. And on Sniffy's, there's a, 
a bathroom in particular that has high traffic. Yeah. It's very secluded, like in the bottom floor of some old building that no one really uses anymore. Yeah. And a big ass door that makes a lot of noise when it opens. <laughs> so it was prime, prime time. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's where that's where I got my first blowjob. <laughs> I mean, at first I was like, that can't be true. This can't be really happening here in plain sight. So I was like, let's just see what happens. Yeah. And I go and I immediately get hit up on sniffies, like, hey, are you there? By like multiple guys, I'm like, oh shit. So I tell them, yeah, I'm here. And it's like one by one, they come in. At first, there was just three of us. <laughs> and it's Oh my gosh, because we all knew what we were there for. So they had no like <laughs> no qualms in doing what they wanted to do while I was there. And it was fucking hot. Like in the stall next to me, the guy was already getting blown. And I was just kind of like waiting my turn. <laughs> yeah, it's so hot. It's it's so it's um a big deal what you just said. Like when there's a group of guys together and everyone knows why they're there, it changes the entire energy, right? Like it changes everybody's, like it takes walls down and it brings guys together and it turns everyone on it. Like it's, there's a certain freedom to it, I think for sure. I was learning yeah. like the etiquette for everything. And I didn't want to like fuck up, especially in like a public setting. <laughs> and I was too uh, chicken shit to do anything one-on-one -on -one with someone. So I just stuck to cruising and mostly blowjobs and like circle jerks with like two or three other guys. Yeah. All in the fucking public restrooms. Like, which, which is really hot. It, it is. fucking is. Like, <laughs> if it's fucking hot. And I'm telling you, I just don't think I've ever met. I've met ever, some guys who were shy about it, but I don't think I've ever met anyone that actually went and went head first and did it that, that never, that didn't go back. There's something like very intimate, very personal, very private and very secretive about it. And uh, there's just something really, really hot about it. And there still is, there still is. Yeah. You had groups. So you started with like groups. <laughs> yeah, basically. So what, so how long ago are we talking when that, like when that's first started to happen to you, how long ago? Um, last year, last year, amazing. Last fall semester. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're a newbie, but you're like having good experiences. So like, okay, so here, now that you're a mature year later, you're older. Um, so what turns you on now? It's strange to want to think of the idea of saving yourself for marriage. <laughs> But it's like these two ideals of who I am and what I think I want to be are clashing. Yeah. So that's still like an eternal struggle that I'm dealing with. If I have to boil it down, someone that I could go out with and we can just act like there's nothing like different about us. We're the same. We're the same as everyone else. Yeah. We could just go out and do whatever. Yeah. It's, you know, like, imagine if all the stigma and all the, the hatred was never there. Yeah. And we just accept each other and we can accept, be accepted by everyone and everything. But yeah. it's hard. 
but I do see it as a possibility. For sure. And I think it starts with just uh, wishing for it and allowing it and accepting it. Just, I think it's even accepting it as a possibility these days is hard. Describe uh, the uh, the action, the concept, and the scenario of foot tapping. So you're in probably a department store at a mall somewhere. You're sitting in a stall in the men's restroom, and there is another guy in the stall next to you. Now, of course, it's gone quiet for a solid like five minutes. So you start hearing it's happening and you see a foot go up and down. Sometimes they make enough noise to cause a tap or just enough to make a visual. Now the visual is enough for you to also engage and start moving your foot up and down. Now, once there's a solid connection and everyone understands what's going on, there's usually the hand motion for you to go over and display uh Display yourself. <laughs> so you open the door and you go into the other stall, right? Or they come over, depending which stall is bigger. <laughs> and then what happens? And then, well, for me personally, I've jacked off with the guy. We've like, just like everything you could want to do, like being touched all over. I've never like fully had sex in a stall, but I've gotten pretty damn close. (laughs) Do you kiss them? Yes. Hell yes. That's the best part. (laughs) It is so the best part. (laughs) Especially when they have like a beard and you feel it up against your face. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I, I get that a lot. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, kissing is everything, right? Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> Tell me about kissing. Tell me about kissing a guy, kissing a man. Tell me what it feels like for you. Tell me about it. For me, it's it's exhilarating. It's like all the sexual tension and emotions that you have, they're just released, and it's like you can be as intense as you want and oh my god how do I explain this (laughs) it's just a feeling of like being on cloud nine you know and the intensity of it is enough to like most of the time make me come (laughs) yeah yeah it's amazing me too me too for (laughs) sure I uh, I can absolutely make out with someone and get off with them, just making out with them. Yeah, it's it's like I can't do. I can actually, I'm when I was younger I could, but now I I can't get off without kissing. Like I can't have sex without kissing someone. Nor am I interested in someone that can't kiss. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's like you can start on the lips, you can start on the neck. Yeah, it's like 
Oh my god, everywhere you can imagine, especially <laughs> like when they breathe on your neck and it's like yeah, that hot steamy breath and it's like, oh my god. With that little like tongue lick that goes up to your ear, that one? Yes. <laughs> or like that peck on the neck going up and down. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> I was making out with my, I have a, someone I just started seeing really casually, but like I saw him out last night and we crossed the bar. We just saw each other. We just crossed the bar and started kissing. And, um, I'm, we're so good at it. It's like so erotic to me that I was like, just like kissing him. And I just like stood back and I just like licked the bottom of his lip and just like looked at him. And he was like, ah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, come here and give me your neck now. Come here. Fuck yeah. <laughs> it was, it's so, it's so, it's actually one of the most, it's the best connection between men for me because you get a little bit of like, you get to taste them, smell them, lick them. Like you get like all the good stuff, you know? And then if they return it, you're like, yeah, I'm already like, we're already in each other's mouths, but it's more like, like, all of the things that you like you smell like and taste like and like there's something so erotic about kissing right it's just like nothing like it yes it's like it's pretty much in its own league for me yeah for sure <laughs> all right well let's make out sometime <laughs> honestly for sure <laughs> i'm not supposed to hit on my guests <laughs> I'm honored. <laughs> I'm honored. <laughs> I would totally make out with you. Just talking about making out with you makes me want to make out with you. It's also really amazing when you do cross another good soul or you do cross even a sexual soulmate or somebody that you connect with just a little bit deeper it's really it's an can be an amazing thing to hold on to them and i don't think we do that enough like i don't share my body like i'm a very much an exclusive kind of guy the relationship i'm in now best one i've ever had in my life on all levels uh including and highlighting um sex it's the first time in my life where that deeper need of intimacy is matched so perfectly and i say this all the time when you know when i'm with her i say ah oh, i'm home i feel like i'm home right now and that shared territory because ah man it for me it's like a hug of the soul you know it obviously it feels good it feels who doesn't like the bust you know everyone loves the bust but who I wrote it in a poem recently, um, the things that make me feel comfortable. And one of the lines was, the coming, then the staying, and then the sound sleep. You know, I've been with women before where after I come, I want to run. Holy shit. It's, the, it's funny, the word's called come. I want to come and go. Uh, but with, I think, the relationships that are the best, you want to come and you want to stay. And... I love to be home and that has a new meaning now for me when I say I'm home. Uh, and it's funny, like, you know, her name's Marina. I love her. You know, I don't, I'll tell it to the top of the mountain. 
I tell her sometimes like the love I feel for you and how, how much like home I feel with you is indistinguishable of how much I feel like I'm at home when I'm with my children, when I'm at home and my kids are sleeping and, or I've just fed them or I'm taking care of them. I feel at home and for uh, to be in an intimate relationship that's romantic and when sex feels so part of that deeper intimate family connection it doesn't feel like this outside thing that's you know rated r it feels like it's part of the healthy whole system and man i want everyone to experience this bro i want everyone i want everyone's sexual life to feel like it's a part of the healing process as opposed to part of the escapism and i'm not judging because i can't i mean we're all fucked up anyways love you bro i hope this is okay you're checking out of sex club matt tells after hours throw your towel into the basket and please come back for more hot guests and gay sex please leave a rating or review Hit me up if you want to tell your story or submit your audio. Go to matttells.com and follow Matt Tells and Sex Club on Instagram or Facebook at Matt Tells Gay Adventures. You can always message the fuck out of me at matttellspod at gmail.com. I, I, can't, I can't leave this planet and not feel like I don't necessarily want to make the world a better place, but I don't want anything lost. Yeah. I think yeah. we're historians. I think we need to be historians. Hey, it's Kendall, the longtime New York bohemian, returned home to the heart of the Bible Belt, just outside New Orleans in the deep red state of Louisiana. I'm back to subvert and liberate as many of the indoctrinated as possible. Kendall, middle initial D. Smith on Facebook, at Kendall D. Smith, that's at K-E-N-D-E-L-S-M-I-T-H, no spaces on TikTok, and T-I-N-T-I-N-I-N-N-Y-C on Instagram. Follow me and drop me a message if you'd like, and check out what keeps me busy on swamplight.org, S-W-A-M-P-L-I-G-H-C dot org, no spaces. I'm Isaac Haldeman of rawdocu.com, and I'm honored to be part of this tapestry. Keep leading, keep going. This is X, and this is my story about discovering cruising. Awesome. That was great. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. Well, maybe a little. <laughs> no, it's good. Oh my gosh. You're a director. You have to. That's the one right there, boy. Stick with me. I can I can get it out of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thank you. <laughs> uh, sure. You're welcome.